Welcome to the Life of Christ, Series 5. This is Lesson 17, second last lesson for this term. We are going to, I'm going to go back a page or two, two pages, and begin on page 22. At the beginning of this beatitude, we are, we are looking at the fourth beatitude. And that's brought out both in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, and Luke chapter 6, verse 21. So I'll read Matthew 5, 6. Uh, Matthew has Jesus saying there, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Remember again that Matthew wrote to the Jews? So he talks about hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Remember that Luke uh, was presenting this gospel to the Gentiles? And so he, uh, he knew that people didn't really care about righteousness necessarily. And so he just says, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Now, what I want to do is get straight to where we were last time, because especially if you're listening to this uh, online or taped it, you really don't want to hear everything twice, do you? No. Okay, so moving on. What we, what we did was last time we left off in Matthew chapter 6, in verses 31 through 33. This verse of Scripture, or, sorry, we're on page 24 now. This verse of Scripture is basically parallel to what Jesus says here. He says, Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And we know in Matthew 6.33, it says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, all of these things shall be added unto you. You will be filled. Can I say that? Amen? So we see a direct parallel there. And I've said here, in other words, the more passionate we become about our ethical conduct and living right before God, the more will be added to us on a regular basis. I have to be really careful here because you know, this is not saying that you know, people that live a perfect life and become self-righteous are going to be blessed by God. See, we need to be very careful because I, I think sometimes what we try to do is become good in our strength. Amen? As opposed to uh, truly understanding that it's God's presence in our life, it's God's anointing on our life, it's God speaking to us, just about to go do the wrong thing, and the Lord comes up and says something, and we go, thank you God, I really appreciate that, and just, you know, stops us, averts us from, from doing something silly or whatever. And it doesn't have to be a big thing, it can be a little thing like telling someone something we shouldn't be saying. You know, maybe something good that we did. And it, that's okay, you can do that. But, you know, you, you need to be careful sort of how you do that as well. Remember again, Jesus said, you know, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing kind of thing. You know, and that sort of goes to in everything that we do. Amen? And uh, like I said, you know, don't, don't get uh, uh, paranoid over this. Okay, but as a general rule, uh, yeah, we're talking about this. And so uh, what I want to uh, show you here is that, you know, when we talk about ethical conduct, what I'm talking about is, you know, you do your best and you be led by God and you do what God tells you to do. Amen. And, and because it's the leading of the Lord, you know to give Him glory. Can I get amen on that? It wasn't your thought, it was... Amen. It was Him leading and guiding you. And He says that if we, you know, and again, if we do this, you know, He says if we seek first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, His right way of doing things, then everything that we desire in our life will be added to us. There's no question about that. And it, it's never according to the situation that you're in. So what this also tells us is that you will, you will always, I, I wrote this on purpose like this, you will always get rich going after God and grow poor going after riches. God's riches are without sorrow, according to Proverbs 10.22, uh, which says the blessing of the Lord, all right, the things that get added to us when we seek after righteousness, makes one rich, and God adds no sorrow with it. 
I think that's really interesting. Now, what I want to do is just share with you. So it's not in the notes. That's why you come to Bible college. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's just something that, uh, you know, how we always read in Malachi, you're cursed with the curse, blah, 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 you know, about bringing your tithes and offerings and everything else. Uh, there was something that, that uh, caught my attention, and that was the fact that, and I was always look at that, and I would always think, you know, people read that and say, well, it's better not to be a Christian, because as soon as you become a Christian, you get stuck under this curse if you don't tithe. Can I, can I get an amen on that? I'm just saying to you, I'm just being real with you here, okay, you know? And people think, well, why do I want to get under that bondage? I'm not sure to stay Buddhist or whatever, you know? They don't say any of that stuff, <laughs> Okay. See, remember how I told you so much of the stuff that's written in the Bible isn't, the English version isn't the original. And we really need to learn that because we miss some major revelations because of that. And uh, one of the things that really was, was brought to my attention was the fact that there is a curse in this earth because of what Adam did. Okay? And because of that curse, everybody living in this earth is under that curse. Do you understand? So what God is saying, He isn't actually saying that now because you're a believer, now you're going to be cursed if you don't give a tithe. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Okay. That's not what it's saying. And, and you know, again, I'm sharing with this with you before I share it with the church, because this will come at some stage, okay, to the church. So you guys are getting first, first shot at this. But anyway... It was, you know, what I realized and God showed me was this. He said, listen, there's a curse in this earth. That's what that first part is talking about. He's saying you are already under a curse. He does, he did, what he's not saying is I'm putting you under a curse. Do you get the difference? Okay. The same thing happens with Genesis chapter 3. You know, where it says, you know, I will do all these bad things to you. And it actually doesn't. In the actual text, it says that these things are going to happen to you now. You know, it's, you threw a ball up, it's coming back down. Just be ready for it, basically, is what God's saying there. And in, in that same vein, God is saying here that you are now under a curse, not of your own doing, but it came, because somebody else did a bad thing, okay? <laughs> and because it's there now, the way to get out from under it is doing this. Are you all with me? And so that's why it's, you know, and it's God's way of getting involved in our affairs, are you all with me? Okay, it's God's way of getting involved in our affairs while we're under something that we never asked to be under. And He's saying, I need to help you, I want to help you. If you do this, then what you're doing is saying that, no, you don't want to be under this thing. You want to get me involved in your, you know, in your finances, in your you know, area of riches and so on and so forth. And by doing this, you're literally forcing the, the, the devil's hand off of your stuff. Do you understand? Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I thought that was a really interesting thing that, you know, God blesses and He brings no sorrow with it. Are you all with me? And um, I will get into more of this later on, but I just thought that was a kind of interesting revelation, you know, to chew on. And to just realize that, the, you know, everything that God says, when it's read right, we begin to understand He's doing everything that He can. God so loved that he's doing everything he can to get out, get us out from under a curse that's in this earth. Amen? And so he's instigating certain things to say, this will get you out of here. This will get you out of there. It's like we're in a burning house. Somebody set the house on fire, wasn't you? Some, okay? And now God's saying, there's an exit there. There's an exit there. There's an exit over here. Amen? Whether you want to take it or not, it's up to you. But there's the exit. Amen? So anyway, I hope that blessed you a little bit. Hallelujah. 
Um, let's move on. As a side note, it is essential that we never take our eyes off God and put it on things that the world holds in high esteem, such as wealth and power, pleasure, all that stuff. Yeah? Because at the end of the day, I'm on the other page, the more things we go after, the emptier and less satisfied we become. That's what Proverbs 13.7 reveals to us when it says, There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing. Isn't that interesting? Always it's a really fascinating verse. You know, people that make themselves rich and have nothing. Do you know what that means? It doesn't mean that they don't have nothing. It means that they get to a place, there's nothing left in their life that's worth anything. It's a funny thing when you go after worlds, the world's riches, the compromises you have to make. Are you all with me? And you get to a place where, you know, after a while, you're working so late, you know, the wife doesn't ever see you, the kids never see you, and, you know, you think, well, no, I'm providing for you. No, you know what? If, if, they want to see your face. They don't care about your money. Yeah, we need some money to pay the bills, okay? <laughs> but we don't need that much money. You know what I'm trying to say? And, you know, people have this idea and they work really hard and they, they think, well, at the end I can retire early and, you know, then we can do all of these things. They, you know, and as, while they're on that journey, the, the wife has left him, the kids are gone. It's just like there's nothing left. Are, we, are you all here? Amen? And I believe that's what that is saying. Amen. Okay. Therefore, when we take all this into consideration, we begin to understand why Jesus said again in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Notice how he says, whereas those people are, you know, end up being empty, you will end up being full. Hallelujah. I love that. Amen. And that's the blessing that you are filled. Get it? That's why he starts with blessed and he fi- finishes with filled. Okay, all right. Leon Morris writes, Those who long uh, for righteousness will have a full measure. I like that. Can I say that again? Those who long for righteousness will have a full measure. It's not half. It's not quarter. It's not almost full. It is full. Amen. The seekers do not fill themselves, but are filled. See, it's not you filling you. It's God filling you. You seek and He will fill. Oh, hallelujah. And why Jesus says that they are blessed. Amen. Okay, let's go back and look at what was recorded now in Luke 6.21 as we finish this beatitude. It's not much left here. Uh, And Luke has Jesus saying there, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Remember again that this blessing works on both levels. Can I say this? If you seek after righteousness... Remember God said all the things. What were the things? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? They were physical things. So Luke lets us know that Jesus says, if you go after you know, spiritual things, you, you'll be blessed with physical things. It won't be a heavenly blessing, brother. When you drop dead and go to heaven, it's all waiting there. But till then, you're on your own. Okay? It's, it's not like that. Amen? So we understand something here. Luke understood that people won't understand this righteousness business. Okay? They, they're saying, listen man, I need, I need food on my table. How, what do I do? And because they haven't had all the back on, um, history, that's a good word, all the history that the, the Jews have had with God and all His Word and everything else, and you know, have a deep understanding or a general understanding of all those things, uh, th- that stuff isn't, it's, that's all hokey pokey to them. Okay, so He's saying, listen, you're hungry, God will feed you. Twice we know Jesus fed people. Amen? And, and we know there was one, one was 
at least 10,000 people, because it said 5,000 men, so we don't know all, how many all were there. Okay, so, so as opposed to the previous verse that dealt with hungering after righteousness, this is talking about physical hunger and doing without actual food. And in order for there to be a blessing involved, it must be God-related and mean that whatever, listen, you decide to do without for the sake of the Lord and the gospel, and do it with the right attitude. Did you get all of that? Okay. <laughs> okay, the attitude sometimes isn't so great. Okay, but you need, okay. It will be multiplied back to you, to where you shall be literally filled. Amen? Amen. Okay. That's what's brought in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19, which assures you that if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. Amen. I think that's just self-explanatory. And so whether you are hungering after righteousness or actual food, Jesus assures you that you shall be filled. One way or the other. Hallelujah. Moving on. (laughs) Okay. The merciful. The next beatitude which has no parallel in Luke is brought in in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7 where Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Alright. I know we've done this before. Is it okay if I just go through it? Because I just think this stuff can never get old, you know. And, and it, is, it is his Sermon on the Mount, you know? <laughs> you know, of all things. William Hendrickson defines mercy as it applies to this verse in the following way. He says mercy is love for those in misery and a forgiving spirit toward the sinner. Can I say it again? Mercy is love for those in misery and a forgiving spirit toward the sinner. Okay. Second, it embraces both the kindly feeling and the kindly act. So people that are merciful don't just go, oh, you poor thing. They'll actually do something after that. Okay? All right. We see it exemplified in the parable of the Good Samaritan, and especially in Christ, the merciful high priest. All right? We'll look at these scriptures. All right. The story of the Good Samaritan. That's found in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. You know, every time I read these verses, something else jumps out at me. Isn't it interesting? You know, that's, that's the word of God. It's just inexhaustible. That's all I can say about it. Okay. So let's go through this. I know you know the story, but let's go through it again. Okay. All right. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I want you to understand the question. He says, what do I need to do to get to heaven? That's kind of what he's asking, okay? How do I get up there? Eternal life means you're going there. Okay, all right. Oh, you know you want to want to live eternally down here, right? You know, it's, okay, amen, all right. Verse 26, and he said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he asks a question, Jesus asks a question back. He, you know, he says, listen, you're a lawyer. Okay, this is a lawyer in the word of God, somebody that studies the law, okay? Okay, he's saying, you, <laughs> you're asking me this question, let me ask you, what do you know? <laughs> okay, very interesting, alright. And so he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all, it's a good answer, by the way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He goes, okay, so you knew the answer. <laughs> interesting, alright. And he said to him, He said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. So he's saying, that's it. That's what you need to do to get to heaven. But some people don't want to stop there, do they? Okay. (laughs) But wanting to justify himself. Oh, you know, I think this is one of the things that always gets us in trouble. We want to look good. That ain't enough. 
I want to say something that makes me look good. Hello. We really get in trouble in that area more than anything else. And it's attached to pride. Uh, but wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? I love that Jesus didn't look at him with a stare. You know one of those, are you kidding me? Really? You know, okay? <laughs> Thank God, Jesus just taught this out. And I think it's brilliant. And Jesus answered, I, I really love that he just says, and Jesus answered and said. Jesus didn't have attitude. He just answered him. Hallelujah. What does that tell us? Don't ever get upset with people and don't get mad with people. They ask you a question. Even if they ask you for the wrong reason, you can always bless people with information. Take the opportunity. Amen? Like I said, always look at life from a positive side. You know, the glass half full kind of side, if you know what I'm saying. You know, don't look at it. And that's really how, you know... Everything that we do, you know, every time Emily and I are facing situations, I'll always look at it and think, okay, what does God want us to see from this? And, and God always comes through and does a miracle. Every single time. You know, every single time. And we've learned to do that now. So the devil just gives absolutely no points. Okay? <laughs> Whatever he starts, God finishes. Are you all with me? This is exactly what's happening. Whatever the devil started, God's going to finish now. Remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. Okay? So... And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. I won't go into all the historical things there because I want to get to something else here. Verse 31, Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, Jesus is starting to do something very interesting here. He is going to start giving him, them characters that they would automatically assume would help this man. Remember the question, who is my neighbor? They would have said, well, the priest is my neighbor. You know, because I, you know, I go to synagogue, you know. And the priest helper is my neighbor, because, you know, that's the guy that you know, we say hello to. <laughs> okay? Listen. And if, they, if anybody said, well, what about the Samaritans? Oh, we hate them. There's a history there. Yeah. In fact, in, in uh, one part of that history tells us that they, you know, these Samaritans, because they were just fighting with each other. You know, people do dumb things when they're fighting with each other. And one of the things that the Samaritans did to get back at the Jews for doing something stupid to them was, was to go desecrate their altars. They took pigs and slaughtered them and threw them on their altars. You all know how Jews feel about pigs, right? <laughs> so, they so, you know, they were not friends at all. Are you getting the picture? They just was, I hate you. If I see you, I will kill you. Okay, so you, you need to get this, that the last thing, see, Jesus is always doing this, he's always challenging our thinking. He's saying, this is what you think, let me tell you a story. Hmm? Let me change the way you think, and stop putting everybody in the same box, please. Because people are people. It doesn't matter what religion, they, you know, when I say religion and stuff, I'm talking about, you know, how are you ever going to get somebody saved? If you look at them and go, woo, devil, devil. Well, that's the reason why we're trying to save him. Hello? <laughs> okay? So, <laughs> are you getting where I'm going with this? Okay, so we really need to learn something from this. Okay? Okay, alright. So, 
he says, again, by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, passed on the other side. I know the whole crowd gasped. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived in the, at that place, came and, and looked and passed by on the other side. I, I've gone into deal with this, so I'm not going to deal with you here, okay? You, you all know what's going on here, right? But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he said, Ugh, it's a Jew. I'm, I'm, I told you I'm going to give you another side to this. And he thought, whoa, let me beat him up a little more. See, see, this is what happens to you because you oppose us. You deserve this. I'm not going to help you because then you're going to think that, well, maybe God's okay with this. Hello. How many times have, you know, somebody opposed us, we don't like them, they get into trouble, we go serve them right. <laughs> Just saying, I'm telling you. That I, I, I told you, I want to bring something out here. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. They shall obtain mercy. Not the ones that show mercy because somebody deserves it. But the one that shows mercy because they don't deserve it. Do you understand? Mercy by definition is doing something for someone that they don't deserve. Do you understand this? I really need you to get this. I, I want to bring this across to you today, okay? Um, because if you catch this, this is where the heart of all of this is. This is what will make your life. This will change your life. This will give God access to your life like you've never had before. And this will then allow you to take the next step, the next step that we're going to look at, okay? If you don't do this, you can't be the next thing, okay? All right. What is it? I'm not telling you. All right, just get this one first. I don't want your mind going off somewhere else. All right, <laughs> okay, so, all right. So notice the Samaritan didn't have an attitude. The Samaritan didn't come and look at that Jew and go, serves you right. He straight, look, look, it says, and he says, he had compassion. Wow, which means that he looked past all of their differences. He didn't see a nation. He didn't see people who have done him wrong. He saw a person. Yep. Okay. Somebody just said he saw a neighbor. Do you understand? We need to see people. Don't look at them and go, oh, you're one of those. Don't do that. This is a person. Deal with them for who they are. Not for what their you know, uh, um, nation has done. Not for what you know, they are known for. Whatever. Just deal with the person in front of you. Are you with me? I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. If you get this, you get this. Okay. And it says, uh, verse 34, So he went to him. The others, what did the others do? They crossed the road. They went away from him. This one went to him. Okay. And bandaged his wounds, pouring, and, uh, pouring on oil and wine. This is very, very significant. Okay, Oil and wine is a significance. This is talking about the Holy Spirit. When we look at it from a spiritual standpoint, if we back off, that's what it is. Okay, alright. I could go into details, but let me just continue on here. So it says, pouring oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Okay. Follow, the, follow these events again. He set him on his own animal, which means now, he... Again, remember again, these are the people they hate. Listen. He gave up his comfort so that this guy could be 
okay, taken somewhere without being dragged behind the animals. It's like, it's a Jew, tied to the animal, let's walk, you know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, stick some cardboard under him or whatever. Uh, you know, hey, anything else could have happened. I want you to see the personal nature of what's going on. The way Jesus is telling the story. He says he put him on his own animal. Get it? Okay. And it says brought him to an inn and took care of him. See, we always get to that inn and we see somebody else taking care of him. He hasn't finished looking after this man. We, we can't speed read past this. Okay. He took care of him. He probably asked him his name. Like, who are you? What's your name? You know, where do you live? Is there anybody close by? You know, the questions you would normally ask. Okay? He would have been asking him. And you know, we would have been receiving. Maybe the guy could talk. Maybe he couldn't. Maybe he would just look at him and go, I don't know. And I'm passing out again. See you later. Okay, <laughs> whatever it is, he was taking care of him. Which means he had to give up his bed as well. Which means he needed to stay up. People in this condition, you don't just go off and sleep. Can I get a little amen? Are you with me here? I want you to understand the compassion here. He really is taking care of this man. Verse 35. On the next day, when he departed. He, so can I say, can, can I add some deeds to this? Can I add some details to this? So he took care of him. He stayed up with him. And on the next day, he didn't say, oh, thank God that's over. The guy made it through the night. He's probably out of the worst. I'll just leave him here and go now. See you later. Bye. He didn't finish. It says on the next day when he departed, he took out two dinars. See, this tells us that this guy was on his way to something. Alright, it wasn't that he had nothing to do. And oh look, somebody hurt, let me help. Because I have nothing else to do with my time. Are you with me? So he's put his plans on hold. And who knows what he had to do that day. And how much sleep he might have needed that night to get there and do his thing. We don't know any of these things, but we take all of these things for granted. They're the things that we, aren't, we tell ourselves, I don't have time for this because, you know, tomorrow I've got a very busy day. Amen? And so he says, he took out, you see, so now he's, it's costing him now. It didn't only cost him sleep, it's costing him money now as well. He took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And the innkeeper said... Oh no, it's okay. You've done enough. I'll look after him. Is <laughs> not what it says. And the Samaritan could have got angry with the innkeeper now as well. I'm just showing you some things here because these are all the things that go wrong on the way to doing the right thing, to being merciful. Sometimes you know, it, your mercy doesn't just extend to the person that needs help, but to all the people that don't help that person as well. Can I say that again? Because if you don't get what I just said, you're going to miss something. You're going to get an attitude. Well, I did all of this, you know, somebody else should now take over. Come on. Get on with it. And then you feel like you have a right to say that because you did all this stuff. Are you getting what I'm saying? You just lost your reward. Get it? The devil won't make it easy for you to do the right thing. 
You need to realize that. You need to brace yourself. And you need to be willing to go all the way to the other side. So he was not only willing to do all of this to look after this man, but also put up with all the people that should have been helping. Just a spirit of, I don't want to get involved, I don't want to do this, this is more money for me, awesome. Not only did you stay at my inn and I got money from you for staying at my inn, now I'm getting money from you, you know, for this other guy as well. All of that stuff. You've got to, you've got to look past all of that and go, I'm just going to do the right thing regardless. Amen. Blessed are the merciful. Get it now? This is not just a sweet little person. Okay, that just is merciful. This is a person that has to fight battle after battle after battle to do the right thing. Okay, now you're getting it. And he says, and whatever more you spend when I come, I will repay you. Wow. I really wish the innkeeper had said something there, but anyway. Verse 36. So, (laughs) which of these three do you think was neighbor to him? Who fell among thieves, and he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Can I stop there for a second? Do you know what has just happened? Jesus has now made this man who wanted to look good now responsible for what he has learned. Did you get that? If he shut up before, it would be okay. He could have said, well, I didn't know. Is that the one that knows Samaritan? You know, everybody understand. I want, you know, in case he ran across the Samaritan, he was what? Okay, it was the other way around. If it was flipped. Do you understand what I'm saying? He went and put his foot in it. Jesus said, fine. I'm going to tell you a story, but now you become responsible. Next time something like this happens, next time you see a Samaritan, you're going to remember what I said to you. And you are not going to be able to cross the street anymore. Get it? He just did it, man. See how, as I said, you know, sometimes just shut up, okay? You know, because you're going to get yourself trying to look good, you'll get into more trouble, so to speak. Now, this is a blessing, I understand, but this has now put an enormous responsibility on this man. Now that he knows, now he's responsible, and God will hold him responsible. Moving on. Did you get a new revelation on that? Okay. And what Jesus asked us to do is what he is currently doing for us in heaven. According to Hebrews 2.17, which says, and we need to stop here because I'm running out of time. Therefore, it was necessary for Jesus to be in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. We'll come back and pick up there because there's a lot I want to say about that. Take a break.